right, let's read this incredible chapter. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But what's it against if we're not fighting people? It's against the rulers, powers, world forces of this darkness, and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now down to verse 18. Therefore, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly. Say with me, prayer precedes boldness. That's where it comes from. He said, as I ought to speak. Anytime he's talking about Jesus, you ought to speak boldly. Amen? Now let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And I'm asking you, Lord, this word will not return void, but it will do what you're sending it forth to accomplish. Lord, take our prayer life up a level. Lord, ignite the fire of prayer in our hearts that we would begin to go into that prayer closet more than we ever have before, that, Lord, mountains will be moved, valleys will be brought up, locked doors will be opened, and a way will be made where there is no way because we prayed, because we prayed. And thank you, Lord, for the anointing to preach this today and the anointing upon the listeners to understand the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you breathe a prayer with me and just say, Lord, speak to my heart and take my prayer life up a level. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor, God heard that prayer. How many of you have wished that your prayer life was stronger? Have you wished that? Let me see your hands. Yeah, I know you have. Most people have. Now, I want to just dive into the Word here and show you that Paul launches the chapter telling us that we're at war. The Christian is at war. We're in a cosmic struggle, not with human beings, as, say, Islam is. Islam has declared war on people who don't believe the way they do. Christians don't battle people. Christians are at war with spiritual beings, beings that we cannot see, with another world that though we can't see it is very real. It's the, the world of the Spirit. We are caught in a cosmic struggle as co-warriors with Jesus Christ. When you got saved, you got drafted. You may not like it, but listen, if you don't fight back, the devil's going to fight you anyway. So we were drafted into the Lord's army, and into the Lord's battle. We are co-warriors with Jesus Christ against an evil, unseen, satanic hierarchy that is dedicated to attacking God's children and keeping God's blessings and purposes away from us. When you got saved, you got a bullseye painted on your chest, and you're under attack. And you will either learn to fight back or you will be defeated. As a believer, 
you can still be defeated. So I'm going to talk today about warfare prayer. Since we're in the battle and we're at war, we must learn warfare prayer. Now, you notice that sandwiched in between verses 12 and 18 is the, the famous armor of God illustration that Paul gave us. And I skipped over it to highlight what he said about prayer because he tags the armor we know so well with the exhortation to pray, to engage the enemy, to fight in the spirit, and bring down strongholds. So as important as the armor is in winning the victory over our foe is the practice of warfare prayer. Pray, petition God, pray some more at all times for all the saints. Pray for boldness, pray for strength, pray for wisdom, pray for open doors. Pray and then pray some more is Paul's message. If you're born again, you're a prayer. You may have been born in a hospital when you were first born, but when you were born again, you were born on a battlefield. And we must fight. We must fight. We must learn to fight. We must learn to defeat the enemy. And what he doesn't want you to hear is what I'm preaching today. When the arrival of Jesus happened on earth, war was openly declared against the devil and his forces. You study the ministry of Jesus, and, and man, he goes to preach his first message in a synagogue, and suddenly a devil speaks out of a man and begins to engage Jesus in, in um, conversation. Have you come to defeat us? Have you come to destroy us? And Jesus cast him out. When Jesus arrived, the devil was, as it were, flushed out of hiding and brought to the forefront and engaged and confronted by Jesus Christ. Jesus cast out demons everywhere that he went. Do you know that a quarter of his ministry was in casting out devils? That was a quarter of Jesus' ministry. He cast out demons everywhere that he went. I started looking at it in synagogues, in church. The devil went to church. The devil went to church, and he confronted him in church, cast him out in church. He was in, he cast them out in Galilee. He cast them out outside. He cast them out inside, in houses, at the seashore, in a ship, in the plain, in every city and village. Jesus cast devils out. They cried out of people, and they were terrified of Jesus. They begged for mercy from Jesus. They were subjected to Jesus. Hey, they knew who he was. The anointed of God. And then when you jump into the book of Acts, you see the disciples did the same thing. The brand new church immediately confronted the devil and engaged in spiritual warfare. They knew who their real enemy was. They knew that it wasn't people. It wasn't Nero. It wasn't the Romans. It wasn't the Jewish leaders of the synagogues that were so reprobate. He knew, they knew, the early church knew that they had an unseen enemy behind the curtain, beyond the veil. There was another enemy, and that was their enemy. That was who they fought. Paul the Apostle told the Thessalonian church quite bluntly and frankly, he said, we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. 
He said, I wanted to come and bring you a blessing. I wanted to come and impart a gift to you. And Satan hindered me. Satan hindered us. Satan blocked the way. And so Paul engaged in spiritual warfare until he finally got there. He discerned what had really happened. Notice he didn't say circumstances hindered us. He didn't say people hindered us. He didn't say bad luck hindered us. He said Satan hindered us. So many times we mistake what's hindering us. So many times we mistake that we really don't have a marriage problem, but beyond the veil our marriage is under attack or our finances are under attack or our children are under attack. Our home is under attack. So we can say, well, it's the way they were raised, or, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I should have done this, or I should have done that. And that might be true. But often, beyond the circumstance is an attack. He discerned what happened and said, Satan hindered us, and we're at war. And he was trying to block your blessing, is what he told the Thessalonians. The Bible presents the world view of an earth under siege. We are not on earth that is undergoing evolutionary advancement. We're on an earth, a planet under siege. Listen to what John said, 1 John 5, 19. The whole world lies in the hand of the evil one. Did you catch that? The whole world lies in the hand of the evil one. The whole world is under the influence of the devil. That's literally what he's telling you. Now, the, the devil doesn't rule because God rules, Christ rules, but we are, in a, we are on a renegade, rebellious planet, and that planet is submitted to the devil, and the whole world, secular world out there is under his sway and his influence. It tells us, the, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 2, that the prince of the power of the air which is the devil, is the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Let me tell you something about people. No matter how nice a person is, they may look to be law-abiding and seem like a great person, and they may be. But if they're not born again, the spirit controlling them is the spirit of the prince of the power of the air, according to the Bible. Paul wanted the Ephesian church to understand we're wrestling with spiritual beings dedicated to our destruction and uh, to, to blocking and hindering and thwarting the will of God for our lives. He reveals the devil, not to be a little guy running around in a red suit with a pitchfork and a tail, but no, no, no. He reveals the devil to be an intelligent strategist and an obstinate fighter. His demonic kingdom, says Paul, is structured in a satanic hierarchy beginning with lower-level principalities and powers, then escalating to rulers of the darkness of this world, and finally the upper tier of demonic power, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. There is a hierarchy, a military hierarchy, organized, structured, And he uses the word wrestling. He, tell, he says, You're, we, we don't wrestle. That's the word battle. We don't wrestle 
with flesh and blood. And that word wrestle is very strong in the original language. It, it refers to a common first century contest between two opponents in which each one sought to throw the other down. You know how wrestlers do. And the victor was able to hold down his opponent with his hand upon his neck. Now listen to what Paul is saying. By the inspiration of the Spirit, Paul informs us that the church of Jesus Christ is in a wrestling match with the devil, and somebody is going to the mat. And the victor will be holding his incapacitated opponent down with his hand upon his neck. Somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose in this wrestling match. I've seen believers who had their hand on the devil's neck through Jesus Christ and walked in victory, and I've seen believers who had the devil's hand on their neck pushing them down to the mat, incapacitated. Which will it be? Well, I'm going to tell you something. If we'll do what the Word of God tells us today and tells us in this series on prayer, we will be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed in the storehouse, blessed in the field, blessed in our going out, and blessed in our coming in. We will be on top and not on the bottom. We'll have, through Jesus, not of our own strength, but through Jesus, we will have our hand on the devil's neck because Jesus has his hand on the devil's neck. But you see, we must appropriate what God has given to us, and one of the things he's given to us is warfare prayer. Warfare prayer. Now, one of the great examples of warfare prayer is found in Daniel 10. And I'm going to be putting some verses up here for you to read, but let me give you the background of Daniel 10. In Daniel 10, when Daniel goes into the prayer that we're about to read, the children of Israel, that is of Judah, have been in Babylonian captivity for 70 long years because of their sin. And they are just about to be released to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city. Daniel's been there right, right there with them. When he writes Daniel 10, uh, he's an old man. He's been languishing in this captivity just like Judah. And here's what Daniel's aware of. Daniel is aware that the prophet Jeremiah had predicted that they would be in captivity for 70 years and then they would be released. He knew the promise. He knew the word. He knew the promise of God that after 70 years they would come out and go back home and rebuild their city and get back into God's highest purpose for them. He knew this. But then he's got a problem. He looks around. Cyrus has come into power, King Cyrus, and Cyrus has told them, you can go back and build your, your city. Go back. But you know what happened? Very, very few responded. And Daniel is totally perplexed. He said, what's going on here? We've been in captivity. This isn't our home. These people are people of a strange language. This is not a part of our destiny. Why aren't they returning? In other words, what's wrong with you folks? And so it bugs him, it, it burdens him, it bothers him. But let me tell you what had happened. Many of the people have made the transition from farming, which they did in Jerusalem, to hanging a shingle and opening up a Babylonian fast food restaurant. In other words, they learned to be shopkeepers. They learned to be capitalists. They learned to get out there and sell things, and here's what they were doing. They were, they were resting, they were compromising, Listen, they were settling for 
something less than God's best. They were settling for captivity. They were settling for bondage. They were letting their calling and their destiny go. Letting it go. And a lot of people do that. I've seen them. They say, you know what, I can't beat this thing, so I'm going to settle for it. I'm just going to settle in my captivity. I'm going to settle in my bondage. I'm just going to settle in this. I'm going to make peace with this. But let me tell you something about God and about our Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest spiritual warrior that ever lived. Jesus Christ's will for you and me is that we would never settle for less than God's best and surely not settle for bondage over freedom. So if you're laying there, if you're sitting there languishing in bondage, you've decided to make peace with it, don't you make peace with it? Listen to the rest of this message and then head for your war room, the prayer room, because you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen? So this is deeply troubling to Daniel. He can't believe this. He's seen this little minority go off to Jerusalem. The majority of God's people are just staying in Babylon, making peace with Babylon. And so he goes into fasting and prayer. He goes into fasting and prayer, and he engages in spiritual warfare. He's asking God, God, give me an answer. What is your will for the people? What is your will for Judah? Speak to me a fresh word. Now, as he's in prayer, look at this amazing thing that happened. Daniel 10, 4. As I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning. I'm starting to suspect this is not a normal man. His eyes, like flaming torches, looked right through you. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. This is an angelic being. I think it's one of the three mighty archangels, probably Gabriel. He has come and is standing in front of Daniel. Daniel hits the ground. Don't tell me an angel came into your bedroom and the two of you danced. You say, where do you get that, Jeff? Oh, I've read these stories. You don't dance with an angel. If a real angel shows up, buddy, you're on your face. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. So, the, so Daniel's on his face, and he's terrified. He's trembling, and he says, the, the angel says to him, don't be afraid, Daniel. Now watch this, everybody. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. When was the answer first sent? First day. Everybody say with me, prayer changes things. Can you say with me, God hears prayer on the first day. Now watch closely what the angel says next because this is a revelation. The angel tells Daniel something amazing. He says, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Now let me be clear. We're not talking about a human prince here. 
because a, a human being can't resist an archangel. He goes on. Th- this is a fallen angel, a demon, stepped up in the second heaven and fought this angel bringing Daniel's answer. Then look what happened. Michael, one of the chief princes, a good angel, another archangel, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now look what he says. I have come now to explain to you what will happen. Look at the importance of what he was bringing. What will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Daniel, Daniel not only received a now word for his situation, but a word that reaches down to our day right now and speaks to us about the latter times. No wonder the devil was resisting this answer. This angel was bringing precious cargo. Please catch this. Now this is warfare, prayer, and action. We got a revelation here because of the Word of God. We, We are able to see beyond the veil here because of the Word of God. Now here's Daniel, old man. He's just sitting there. He's praying. He has no idea what's going on behind the scenes. He has no idea of the conflict that is being waged in the second heaven. He's just praying. But behind the veil, there is a drama. There is a war. There is a conflict. And the stakes are high. So I want to stop here for a minute and dissect what we learn about warfare prayer from this experience with Daniel. First, warfare prayer begins with a burden. Warfare prayer begins with a burden. Daniel was burdened about his people. He was burdened about the future of Israel. He was burdened about their captivity. Let me ask you a question today. Are you burdened about America today? Daniel was burdened about his nation He was burdened that his people had gone astray. He was burdened about what he saw taking place. And this burden was from God. It was not from Daniel. Let me tell you something about a burden from God. A burden from God is something you cannot shake. You cannot deny it. You cannot talk yourself out of it. You don't grab a burden from God. A burden from God grabs you. When I was, uh, had first come to Christ with all of my heart, and, and I've been having many powerful experiences with the Holy Spirit. And God was beginning to move in my heart that I was going to preach the Word. Just putting in me an irresistible, undeniable, irrefutable, inescapable burden to preach, a, a fire to preach, totally contrary to my personality. And it wouldn't leave me alone. And during this season that I was, watch, that, that I was experiencing the, these these visitations from the Spirit and these powerful moments with God, I watched a movie. And I just happened to turn it on one day at home, and the movie was called Go Ask Alice. And it was a true story. It was a biographical movie. And it was about a girl. Now, think back. This was in the 70s. Some of you weren't alive. But it was back in the 70s, in the middle of the Jesus movement, but also in the middle of the hippie movement that I came out of. And... This movie was about a girl who got involved in the drug culture. Beautiful little teenage girl got involved in the drug drug culture. 
And it shows her getting really lost in it and, and getting hooked on drugs, doing the pot, the LSD, the speed, all the stuff that was popular back then. And it shows her getting really enmeshed in it until finally she was totally depressed and totally in bondage. And, and then it showed her without Christ, just in her own strength, trying to get out of it. She went to counselors. She went to her parents. She, she, she had resolved she was going to leave this, this life. And in this movie, in this movie, she slipped back, and she took drugs, and she overdosed, and she died. And that was the end of the movie. And I'm going to tell you something that happened to me. When that movie went off, I'm in my house. I began to sob like a baby. I began to, to bawl like a baby. I began to weep until I couldn't weep anymore, and I didn't understand what was going on. I wept and because here's... and, and now I can ex explain to you why. Because she represented my generation. Being captivated by drugs, destroyed by drugs, lost in that destructive lifestyle, she represented them. And what God was giving me was a burden for my generation. It ate me alive. When I would talk about that movie, I would weep. When I would think about that movie, I would weep. Because Alice became my generation. Also, I knew I would have been her, but for God. I would have been her. And so God, along with the, all these visitations from the Holy Spirit, all of these touches from Him, he, he burdened me, and I understood more why he was calling me to preach the Word, declare it to my generation. It was a burden from God. So warfare prayer begins with a burden. Second, Daniel teaches us that warfare prayer, and here's a draw from last week, perseveres until the answer comes. Daniel prayed and fasted 21 days. I want you to notice something. He doesn't pray just once and say, well, I've done my duty for God in my country. I prayed about it. Now I'm done. That's not what he did. When the answer didn't come on the first day, Daniel humbled himself before God. He experienced a heavy spirit of mourning, and he essentially said, Lord, I'm grabbing hold of the horns of the altar, and I'm not letting go until you speak. Warfare prayer is like a bulldog. You give a bulldog a bone, you can't get it out. You can't get him to turn loose of it. That's warfare prayer. It is persistent. It doesn't quit. It's not moved by nothing. It's not moved when the answer doesn't come. It stays with it. It holds on. When, when you say there's no answer yet, warfare faith is not moved by what it sees. It stands on the promises. Now, the incredible thing about Daniel's experience is the way that it pulls back the veil and lets us see what goes on behind the scenes when we pray. Now, I want you to stop and think. I think some of you, and I've been there, so I'm not just pointing a finger, but some of you don't pray like you should because here's what the devil has convinced you of. You don't really have much power with God. God doesn't hear you. You're not perfect. You're not a super saint. You're not heavily gifted. He answers the, the big prayers for Billy Graham and other giants of the faith, but not you, not little old you. So you might as well just leave the prayers to the big boys. And that's the biggest lie in all the world. 
That's the biggest lie in all the world because the name of Jesus is written on you. The name of Jesus is on you. Jesus has touched you and filled your heart with his Holy Spirit. He hears your prayer. And, and, and think about it. One man's prayers, one, caused an archangel to be dispatched to earth. On the first day, oh, Lord, I want an answer. God said, God said, Gabriel, did you hear that? Go. I find it amazing. What, what, a, what a blessing for all those of us persevering in prayer that he said, from the first day you prayed, the answer was sent. But Daniel had experienced a delay because Satan forces had fought against the answer to his prayer. I wonder how many of our prayers if we could see beyond the veil, have, have elicited warfare, and the Lord is fighting on our behalf right now. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. The prince of Persia was literally a demon spirit assigned to the nation of Persia, which was the greatest nation on the face of the earth of that day. Here gives us, this gives us another revelation. A spirit prince was put over a nation. You know, I don't know if you travel much. I've traveled quite a bit. I've been to China. I've been to India. I've been to Israel. I've been to Singapore. I've been to many places in the world. And I can tell you that there are places you can fly into that as the plane begins to approach the hemisphere of the country you're going to, you feel an oppression. There is something there. When, I, when, we, when we went into China airspace. I could feel the oppression of that communism. When I flew into Africa, I could feel the oppression of the witchcraft. When I flew into Haiti, I could feel the oppression of the witchcraft. This is why we say when you're going to go minister somewhere, pray, pray, pray before you ever get there so that the prince over that area is bound so you can minister under an open heaven. We want to minister under an open heaven. We want to minister. There, there, I believe there's a spirit over this city, but, but even better than that, there's a sovereign God over that spirit. But sometimes we say, God, I'm waiting on you, but God says, I'm waiting on you. Get into the prayer closet, your war room, and bombard heaven. Lay hold of the horns of the altar. Use the weapons given to you. And as you pray, Angels are released according to the word of God. And the dark powers holding people bound are bound themselves by the anointing released by warfare prayer. Say with me, there's power in my prayers. I want us to say it like we mean it. There's power in my prayers. When you pray in the name of Jesus, Satan trembles. Satan trembles. Like Spurgeon said, prayer is like grabbing a rope and pulling it, and a bell rings in heaven. When you pray in the name of Jesus, you don't know the authority and the power that is released. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask according to the will of God, I will do it. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. 
Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. Now, why did this angel so withstand the archangel from getting this answer to Daniel? He wanted God's children to remain in captivity. He didn't want them fulfilling God's plan. So he didn't want the greatest man of God in Babylon to receive the revelation of what their future held. No doubt there is an evil angel over the United States today that because we have pulled back from God and kicked him out and are now persecuting his people, that evil spirit posted over America has gained strength. God is looking for prayer warriors, not good little Christianettes listening to sermonettes. He's looking for people who understand that when I go into the war room, things happen. Mountains are moved. We're in a battle. And thank God there's also angels who are ministers of good, of justice, and of truth, and they are in constant conflict with the dark side. Now let me ask you a question. I've wondered this. Here's Daniel. He's praying. From the first day, the angel was released. Right now, there is a great conflict in the second heaven based on his prayers. What if he had stopped at day 14? What if he had stopped at day 15? What if he had stopped at day 3? Well, you know, God apparently doesn't want to answer this prayer. What if he had stopped? I'm going to tell you what I think. I think he would have been defeated. Because God had moved on him with a burden to pray until the breakthrough came. That's why this series is called Pray Through. Well, how do I know I'll pray through? When you're through. When the breakthrough has come, when you stand up and the Holy Ghost says to you, it is finished, the answer has been released. So warfare prayer teaches us that the, per, the, the, the reason to persevere in prayer is not to overcome God's reluctance, but to prevail against Satan's opposition. That's the reason we persevere. So some of you need a word from God today, a word from heaven, and here it is. Don't faint. Don't give up. The, things are happening behind the scenes that you don't know anything about. God is moving You don't have to see it to know it. Sometimes the greatest sign God is moving is when there's nothing. Now, warfare prayer begins with a burden. Warfare prayer perseveres until there's a breakthrough. One last thing. Warfare prayer is an offensive weapon. When you look at the armor of God, helmet of salvation breastplate, belt of truth, gospel sandals, shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. Five of the six of those are defensive. They are, they are to deflect what comes at you. But the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is offensive. It is for you to attack with. And so is warfare prayer. We have two offensive weapons, five defensive The two offensive are the Word of God and warfare prayer. Paul says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Did you catch that? Strongholds, demolish them totally. We demolish arguments and every pretension 
that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought because the battle is in the mind. The battle is in the mind. The battlefield is in between your two ears. Satan erects strongholds in the mind. Matter of fact, you know the word stronghold in the Greek language literally means castle in the mind? Castle in the mind? Picture a castle with the moat and the drawbridge and all that medieval stuff and go all the way to the top of that castle and there's always a window kind of peering out from the very top. And when you're talking about a stronghold, the castle is always built on a lie you have believed. And so in the upper tier of the castle in your mind, in that upper room is lodged the lie. The castle keeps its strength as long as the lie remains up there. He says, what is a stronghold? Arguments. What is a stronghold? Pretensions that set themselves up against the will of God in your life. And if you're going to bring a castle down, a stronghold down, you've got, you've got to defeat and bring down the lie. You've got to keep drinking. Your parents drank. Your grandparents drank. It's your weakness. You were born this way. You've got to keep drinking. You've got to stay on drugs. You're in a family of drug addicts. Therefore, you're just like them. Here's the lie. It builds a stronghold. It's a castle in your mind. And you've got to face that lie and say, you're a lying devil. You're a lying devil. You're a lying devil. And I'm here to disarm you in the name of Jesus. You gotta be a, you've got to be a dirty old man. You've got to be a luster. You're never going to get rid of lust. You're never going to get rid of how you look at women or how you look at men. Be- because you're born this way. Well, we're all born sinners. The answer is get born again. Get born again. But having said that, even born again people have got to go up there and disarm lies that they believe way back then. You're no good. You're not going to amount to anything. You're not going to go anywhere. You're a loser born under a bad sign. You get up there and you say, no, I'm not. I'm a blood-bought child of God made for a purpose. God's got his hand on me. I'm a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a called-out person. I'm pulling this lie down. In spiritual terms, a stronghold is where the devil has built an outpost, a fort, a stronghold around some weakness in your life. A stronghold may be an obsession, a fixation of thought, some deep-set attitude or thought pattern keeping you from experiencing spiritual victory. It's the battles in the mind. It may be an unreasonable, irrational fear, worry, temper, hate, lust, aggression, or unrestrained urges and appetites and cravings. I'm convinced that every addiction is the result of a stronghold the devil has erected in in our minds via a lie 
we believe. But the type of stronghold isn't near as important as how you can demolish it. Because you can demolish it. It just just requires the lie being confronted with truth. You will know the truth progressively, and the truth will set you free. Jesus didn't mean overnight you'd be totally free once you got saved. the, the, The verbiage in the Greek language is is what we call present active. It means it's ongoing. You will ongoingly more and more know the truth and hence be more and more set free. It's the message of the Bible. This sets you free. This is the mighty word of God. It's quick and powerful. And, And what it does when you read it, it goes up into your brain and it disarms those lies. Let's stand together, can we? Can we say together, warfare prayer begins with a burden, perseveres till the answer comes, and is an offensive strategic weapon that tears down strongholds. Can we pray, Father? Thank you today for the mighty power of prayer combined with the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that you have not left us weaponless at the mercy of a cruel devil. But, Lord, you have given us victory over all the power of the enemy. But, Lord, there are people here today who need a stronghold dismantled, who need a lie exposed and brought down and defeated. And there are people, Lord, who I believe are right on the verge of breakthrough like Daniel. And heaven has been busy fighting a battle to break through and give you your answer. If you need a breakthrough today, lift your hands right up to heaven, would you? Lift your hands right up to heaven and say, Lord Jesus, today. Say it with me, Lord Jesus, today. I receive this word on warfare prayer. Light a fire under me. Give me a burden from God so that I can pray His burden. And Lord, give me that steel-like perseverance like Daniel did until, behold, the angel is before me. My answer has come. Now, if this applies, you say, Lord, there's a stronghold in my life. It's a castle in my mind. And it's only there because I accepted a lie. Help me to see the lie and bring it down. Oh, church, I'm feeling moved on about this. I want you to know God's ready to show you the lie that you embraced that allowed that stronghold into your life. And it's going to set you free. You must disarm the lie. Father, give us revelation how that stronghold got there, what lie we embraced, and help us to bring it down. Now, can we just lift our hands for a moment? I want us to thank Jesus for hearing us today. There are intercessors in this room. There are prayer warriors in the rough, 
in this room. God's going to be calling you to your prayer closet, and here's the word that I have for you. Please hear me. The moment you feel that nudge, go to the prayer room, go. Don't say, well, I'll wait till the next commercial. When that nudge says go to the prayer room, immediately go. Shut yourself in. And then begin to pray as God gives you a burden. He'll move on you. He'll help you to pray as you ought to pray.